it's like self-love. Like you got the confidence one day of like, yeah, I deserve this. I'm very proud of myself. But then the next day it's, oh God, oh no. People think I'm a joke. That could be sparked because you see one comment and I used to do this, I'm gonna be honest. I would scroll through comments until I found a negative one. Scroll through thousands of positive until I found a negative one. And that would be when I would turn off my phone, which is so unhealthy. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you who come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. Now, you know that I'm always on the lookout to speak to people that I find interesting, fascinating, and often people that we don't know so much about them as a human, as an individual. We see them on the big screen, we watch them at home, we see them on our phones, but we don't know too much about them. And today's guest is someone who I've been watching, binge watching religiously uh, on Netflix, on her show, Never Have I Ever. I'm talking about none other than Maitri Ramakrishnan, who's an actress known for her leading role as Devi Vishwakumar in the Netflix teen comedy series, Never Have I Ever. In 2019, she was chosen by Mindy Kaling out of 15,000 candidates that applied for an open casting call for the show. She created her audition tape at a local library using her mother's camera, eventually being asked to send four more videos before having a screen test in LA and being offered the role in 2019. Today, she's been named as one of the 18 groundbreakers, a list of girls who were breaking down barriers and changing the world in 2021. And she was named a breakout actor in Time 100's most influential people. She was back for a second season in Never Have I Ever, and it was also announced that she will star in the Netflix romantic comedy, The Netherfield Girls. Welcome to the show, Maitri Ramakrishnan. Maitri, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. such an honor. <laughs> I've really been looking forward to this because I remember when season one came out and me and yeah. my wife literally watched the whole season in one night. And, <laughs> and we were both just like, oh my gosh, this show is so addictive. And, you know, for us, it was interesting watching it because my wife and I, both from South Asian backgrounds, were born and raised in London. And so to see the somewhat South Asian experience portrayed through the show in the United States was a learning curve for us. It was, you know, it was, it was unique for us. It, it wasn't the same at all. I wanted to ask you, show aside, tell us about what it was like growing up as a South Asian young woman in the United States. In, well, sorry, in Canada for you. Canada. Um, for me, it was a little different to Davey because I was, you know, blessed to have people from all sorts of backgrounds, you know, in class with me, which was really awesome because I got to learn about everyone's, you know, backgrounds and cultures and identities and just life stories in general, which exposed me to a lot, but then also like really pushed me to figure out, okay, how do you identify as a Tamil Canadian? Like, what does that actually really mean to you? And I'm really thankful for my upbringing and I have to give a shout out to my parents. I wouldn't have said this like however many years ago, but I realize now very quickly with everything that's happened, I'm only like half of what I am or like even a quarter of what I am like without them. You know what I'm saying? Like I need them to be who I am. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Tell us about something growing up, like you said, that you would have felt like, oh, my parents are weird or I don't really connect with them or I yeah. don't agree with them. And now you're like, oh, you were so right. Like, tell me about something that changed. 
I'm actually glad you asked that because usually like I get asked the question like, oh, were your parents like supportive of you going to acting, which is super valid as a question as, you know, reality is a lot of South Asian parents aren't, right? It's a very, you know, tricky field to go into entertainment. But my parents are very supportive. Um, My dad growing up was always like, yeah, whatever you need, like we'll figure it out. We'll get you there. We'll do whatever you got. Do whatever you want. Be whoever you want, but just be the best you can be at it. But despite all of that, now looking back, I realize how supportive and like how much they were there for me. Growing up as like a kid, I always felt like the outsider, you know, like in my family, like sort of like the black sheep because my brother, he's two years older than me. I'm the younger one. So I'm like the stereotypical, you know, younger, rebellious sibling. And my brother was the good, studious one and who loved reading books while I'd rather just go to like an amusement park, you know, I'm not going to read a book, whatever. So I always felt like I couldn't connect with my family for the longest time until I realized like, wait, my home's like really cool to talk to. And I, it's like, you know, I don't know if like you've experienced this. I'm sure you have. I feel like a lot of kids have. It's that moment where you stop necessarily idolizing your parents thinking like, oh my God, they're everything and they're amazing. They can do nothing wrong. And then maybe you see them cry once and you're like, what? That's a little, <laughs> little gross. Or like they do something and you're like, oh, I actually like disagree with you on that. And I think when those moments started happening, I started humanizing them and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's... That's my little tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's a great answer. I, I really appreciate you opening up and letting us in because, you know, I, I love the character you play on the show, but on, on this show and on purpose, my whole focus is on you as a human and an individual. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to know, you know, my three, like that's the person that I'm really interested in and, and fascinated by and in your journey. So thank you for being so open already and, and sharing stories. And, and now, now that we all know that your brother's this super intelligent, uh, book Oh my God, he's bo- such a nerd. <laughs> he's also like, like he's the book smart one, but I'm the street smart one and he knows it. Got it. Got it. Well, it's funny because I have a younger sister. What's your age different? Two years, you said? Two years. Two years. So two my years. younger sister is four years younger than me. Okay. And it's yeah. the other way around. I'm the rebel. I'm the kid who got into uh, trouble. I experimented yeah. and she's like just the sweetest yeah. soul. So we, yeah. we, we traded places. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I love what you're saying. And you know, I, I think it's so important to recognize that. Like you said, it's always easy to look back and point fingers at our parents and be like, oh, they didn't let me do that. Or they, they, yeah. were, uh, they were wrong about this. But to be able to say, and I feel the same way as you, you know, I look back at the things my parents forced me to do. And now I look back and I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad you forced me to do yeah. that. And, yeah. and, you know, I think, I think it's a good, good reflection. I, I wanted to talk about, you know, what were you like growing up as a child? Have you, have you always been outgoing and you said rebellious? I want to hear a bit about that rebellious side. Like what, what was your rebellion leading you to? Yeah. I mean, I've always been like an extroverted, you know, person. I always would talk to everyone. Um, growing up, my mom's rule was if she didn't know their parents, I wasn't going over to their house, (laughs) not happening. So quickly, my GameCube, my Nintendo GameCube became my best friend. And so I'm like pretty good at all those video games. (laughs) But uh, that's why I also picked up a bunch of different like hobbies, like drawing and painting and singing and playing piano and, you know, just doing these things by myself. 
and which I'm, you know, one of those things I'm very thankful for because I have all those skills now. But in terms of like the rebellious side, that's actually from my parents too, in the sense it's like the sense of justice. My parents have always raised me to speak about what I believe in. If I see an injustice, speak up for it. If I see someone, you know, in trouble or like getting bullied or just picked on wrongfully, it doesn't matter if you don't know them, go stand up for them, like speak your mind. And like, uh, I, you know, like the whole term of like code switching that many, you know, people of color do. I never did that. And that's truly because my mom especially raised me to believe you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You just do you. Be who you are. Don't be a brat, <laughs> but be who you are. You don't need to hide yourself or not speak your mind in a family party or in this professional setting. If you see something wrong, you speak up. My mom literally raised me as a kid and said, if someone ever punches you, you have one punch back. Make it count. <laughs> That's what my mom would say to me. So... <laughs> Did you ever exercise that advice? Did you ever use that advice? <laughs> no, I don't think I ever like did. Yeah. Unless it was probably with a fight against my brother or something. Or maybe like with my cousins. But <laughs> definitely that energy was very much so there where my friends knew like, okay, my tray like stands up for what she believes in. I was very well acquainted in high school with the principal's office. Not for like bad things. The principal and I got along very well actually. But if I saw something go down with like a teacher and a student, like I'm there and I'm like, this is what's happening. You need to figure this out. This is wrong. You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. We need, we need more people who speak up and stand up and, and don't just let things happen by the sides. I'm intrigued. You said that, that you developed a lot of skills because your parents were like, if I don't know their parents, you're not allowed to go out. I, yeah. I wonder, did you get quite comfortable, even though you're an extrovert, I'm interested mm -hmm. Did you get comfortable spending time alone? And do you think that has stayed the same? Or are you kind of like, no, 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 I, I don't like being alone. Oh, okay. So that that's, thank you for asking that too. Because this is something I've always wanted to talk about as well. Like yeah. I, up until probably my last year of high school, hated being alone. Wow. Like I hated it. I had sitting with my own thoughts. I hated just sitting with myself having to talk to myself, have to entertain myself, because I didn't like myself for the longest time. I would rather be anyone else, you know? And throughout, like, you know, school, I would always surround myself with, like, a bunch of different people just to, like, you know, hang out with. And the more people I had meant the more opportunities to go out, the more stories and, like, conversations I could have that weren't with myself. Until, you know, in grade 12, I was forced to have those conversations with myself and realize, oh, I really don't like being alone. This is not fun. The whole reason I did after school theater was because I wanted something to do after school that would keep me at school and not send me home. Wow. That was the reason I started it. And then I'm obviously so thankful, but that's how I got into acting. Wow, that's amazing. I love hearing that. That's, that's, that's awesome that you were able to find something through actually being like, oh, I'm just using this as an escapism, but yeah. it actually became your life. It caught up to me. It caught up to me. I yeah. had to learn how to like sit in my own silence, which now I'm better at. I'm not perfect at it. And I don't think anyone really is. It's a growing journey because you're changing yourself. But I'm less harsh on myself as an individual in that way. Yes. Still in general, very hard <laughs> on myself. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wanted to know, you said that earlier, you were like, you know, up until you finished high school, you were like, oh, I, I yeah. really didn't 
enjoy being by myself. You're like, I didn't like myself. Tell us a bit about that because I think that's a very common experience, but it's not commonly talked about because we don't hear people say that. Like for you to have the courage to just say right now, like I didn't like myself. Like, and and now that you're, that's transitioning. And I loved how you said, it's not perfect. It's not like you figured it out, but you've been transitioning. Yeah. Tell us why you didn't like yourself. Like what made you yeah. feel that way? What What put you in that position? I feel like being able to talk about it, first of all, actually comes from the show. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that when people like talk about Davy, just really quickly, like when they say, oh, she's so confident yet she's a nerd. She is very confident still, like 100% she's loud, she's outspoken, but confident about herself, no. She's confident when it comes to grades and being book smart, but confident about her own thoughts, her own worth, her self-worth, no way. And it was like this like weird experience of playing this character that I deeply care about, like a younger sister, seeing her go through this, but also just knowing that a bunch of people, a whole writer's room wrote this. And that made me realize this isn't such a individual, rare experience. So many people go through it and we should talk about it more. I feel like, you know, loving yourself is so hard because one day you could be like, there, you're on your shit. You're like, yeah. Mm, had a great day. <laughs> Next day, terrible, gone. And that could be because of something as small as like, you know, getting a pimple right in the middle of your face or getting into like a fight with someone and you feel just like a terrible human being. You know? <laughs> so yeah. true. It's so true. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I think you're spot on. I mean, I look back to being, and I love how you said that Davy's like a younger sister to you in the way that you see the, see the role. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting way to put it. And when I look back at my own self at 16, and if I honestly, I think a lot of people around me would have said I was pretty confident, but I think you're right. Like if I really look inward. Did uh, you, were you really? No, nah, I wasn't. I don't think I was at 16. I mean, 16 is a really tough age to be actually confident. I mean, you barely know who you are. And, you know, I, I find that a lot of people are obviously, I mean, you're 19 now, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel a lot of people also, what I love about what the show has done is that it's opened up this like multi-generational conversation. Like it's not, even though it's called a teen comedy series, it's like, I'm not a teen and I watch it. My wife's not a teen and she watches yeah. it. And and then I also know like full on parents, adults and uncles and aunties that are watching it. When you look at things generationally and you look at yourself growing up too, do you think that, I feel like we always feel that the next generation doesn't get it, but we yeah. were that same generation when we were at that age. Do you ever feel like that when you're looking at Davy's your little sister, you're now 19, you're working yeah. with an Do you ever feel that way? Does that make sense? For me, like, it's so interesting whenever people, like whenever people talk about like Gen Z versus Gen X versus millennials versus boomers. And sometimes like, I just have to like, close my ears about it and just like just say shut up because (laughs) at the end of the day it's just the year you were born and how the world was when it when you were born when you were a kid when you were at your coming of age Netflix (laughs) YA moment and that is totally valid and fair it's a 100% a different experience like my parents don't get what it means to grow up with technology in your school right but they went through things that we wouldn't get but there's a lot that we can all universally understand. Like this idea of loving yourself, like this idea of self-confidence, just in general, mental health, that is really universal. And it sucks because now what I'm finding is that like the generation conversation 
is starting to divide people mm. of like, oh, that's such a millennial mentality. Or mm. like, oh, these like Gen Zers think they have it all together. They think they're like the bee's knees. And it's like, no, you know what? Like to my fellow Gen Z, we're not the bee's knees. We're not better. We're just humans. And we all are at the end of the day. So why can't we just all be better despite what year we were born in? Go wear your neon 80s outfit. Go wear your 50s hoop skirts. Like, I don't care. Just be nice and just talk about these things because there's not that many differences. My grandma learned so much from me. I learned so much from her. Like, we talk, she's like my best friend. And I talk to her all the time. She learned so much from me and I learned a lot from her. And that's like what matters, you know? Well said. I, I love that. That's that's such a great, great way of putting it and great way of sharing it. Tell me, tell me about some of the things. I, I love hearing about this because my wife's also extremely close to her grandmother, like re exactly yeah. how you, you just said. They're like best friends. I wanted to know what, what are some of the things you've shared with each other or learned from each other? Some of the things you've taught her, some of the things she's taught you. I'd love to hear about some of that. Yeah. I mean, so like I said, like before, when I was younger in my house, I felt like there was no one I could really talk to because I knew if I was going to talk to my brother and tell him a secret, that was going to go right back down to Amma. Amma was going to find out I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to get real mad. But my grandma, she's goaded. She was <laughs> like my best friend, would always like hang out with me. And now it's like she's like she's got Twitter, right? She'll see something on Twitter. And she'll, like, I mean, she mainly just follows me, but, like, you know, she'll see something or, like, something that someone replies and, like, it's, it'll be a slang term or, like, whatever kind of term. Maybe it's something about, like, the LGBTQIA community. And she'll say, like, what is this? So I'm like, yeah, Ma, I'll teach you. And then she, like, knows about it. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, things like that. And then I get to learn, of course, about how she grew up, of course. But then also just where she's coming from as someone who takes care of my grandfather and someone who has her own challenges. And I'm like, huh, we're not so different. Like, we're really not. But yeah. yeah. I love that. It's, it's great. It, you know, those conversations take time and patience because I'm sure that when she's asking you a question, you're having to then see it from her perspective and, yeah. you know, think about it. It's not just like, you know, because... Like you said, she's come from a different time. She's had different experiences. It's amazing that you've developed that. Where do you think you developed that, that ability to be patient, to be empathetic? The way you're talking, like when I'm hearing you, uh, you know, there's so much maturity in the way you're sharing how you are navigating this, which is beautiful to see. I'm not surprised at all. You know, it's, it's awesome. But I wonder, where do you think that came from? Was there an experience that happened in your life or was it through your parents who you're giving so much love and credit to? Yeah. Where did that come from? Or where has that developed from is the question. I mean, I'm still a 19 year old, <laughs> like loser. <laughs> like 19 year old still... video game. You're not a loser, but you're a 19 year old video game player. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's pretty cool. That's my biggest flex. But, like, I'm still just 19 and, like, you know, whatever. But I think the idea of, like, maybe listening to people, I'm not going to lie and say, like, oh, yeah, I listen to everyone and give them, like, everyone my full heart. There's times where it's like, hey, yeah, steering clear from you, you know? Yeah. But when it comes to, like, sitting down with the people I care about to hear them out, answer all their questions, hear where they're coming from, their perspective— I guess it's just me thinking like, hey, when the tables turn, please hear me out. Because there's been times like I've gone through moments in like school when I was growing up where I wasn't heard out, you know, and it's like, damn, it really sucks. And now with 
the industry, like being thrown into this industry, having no friends, family who are in this industry at all, whether they're an actor, writer, director, producer, like no one has done this in my family or in my circle. And it's such a unique experience that like I have when I talk to them about it, when I have like, you know, my own issues about it and I'm, you know, ranting about something, I want them to listen to me. You know, I want them to like try their best to put themselves in my shoes, try them their best to empathize and understand because that's all they can do. They're, they're never going to know what it's like exactly, but they can empathize. And like a little bit of a tangent here, but when it comes to acting, um, I always get asked like, what's your method? have a method. I, I genuinely don't have a method. Like I've never done an acting class in my life, but my process is that here's a character. You're going to play this character. In order to play this character, you have to believe in every single one of their decisions. You're basically their lawyer and you're going to have to defend them. So when Davey's doing crazy, crazy things and she's making terrible choices at times, I have to empathize and understand, okay, kid, why are we making this choice? Like, we're going to do it, but why? Where are you coming from? So it's empathy on another level of like, okay, because now I'm going to have to live this. Now I'm going to have to make it believable because it's one thing to pick Paxton over Eleanor and Fabiola, <laughs> but there's another thing to pick Paxton believably and make the audience still actually believe that Davey feels she's making a right choice and have the audience understand that yeah this kid genuinely thinks this is the right choice it's a bad choice but we're gonna all empathize with her together you know i think what you're saying there about knowing why the character would do something and mm. and applying that in real life like if we instead of if you've just said something beautiful there instead of looking at what people do around us if we mm. listen to understand why they're doing it then that's going to help us a lot more because yeah. what people do doesn't always equate with why we think they're doing it. And, yeah. and, and even as an actor, as you're saying right now, like understanding why your character wants to do something is what makes it believable. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's spot on, like, you know, that, that's exactly what makes a difference. I, I want to ask you a bit more about that when you talked about acting there, obviously it started as this escape. And so you didn't have to go home and so that you mm -hmm. could, you could be there at after school <laughs> Did yeah. you did you have a and you said no one in your family's ever done this before? Did you have a plan B from acting or was acting you were like I'm all in I'm gonna make this happen this is gonna be my thing? So when I was ten, I decided I wanted to be like a Disney animator for Pixar. That was the dream. That was the dream for the longest time up until my last year in high school. And then I realized <laughs> drawing on other people's time made me miserable. Like I could not <laughs> do it. And. I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do now? I felt like such a disappointment with myself because I ran around school saying like, yeah, I'm going to be a Pixar animator. I'm going to, like, everyone knew, oh, my Trey's dream job is to be an animator. And then I, like, didn't do it because I was like, I can't, I can't. I'm going to be miserable. Yeah. I still, like, went through with my portfolio because I'm stubborn, but I was not happy. And then suddenly I was like, oh my God what am I doing with my life? I basically just let down 10 year old me that went to Disney world and got all the inspiration that a 10 year old could ask for. Yeah. But while I was applying to universities, my mom, she was the one that said, Hey, like my three, like, why don't you toss in like a application for theater? Just put her in there, put her in the mix. And I was like, yeah, all right, like fine. It's extra work, but 
Maybe I'll regret it if I don't. Could be fun. Whatever. My mom recognized my passion for theater before I did. In wow. high school, it was truly just a fun thing. And it was a fun thing that I also went into for like writing my own plays and directing my own plays and being in a musical, multiple musicals, multiple plays. But I was like, yeah, it's just fun times. Like, I'm not going to be a big actor. But then eventually after I realized, you know, it was one of the first times in my life I was ever proud of myself. I finished my grade 12 drama exam and I was really proud of myself. And I was like, you know what? I do have skill. <laughs> like, I am not a failure. And that's great. So I accepted theater and that was the plan. But the plan wasn't to become a big actor, go work at Netflix. The plan was, we'll see what happens. Maybe community theater is cool, which is awesome. Or just in Toronto, like the local theater scene there, that would be great. That would be the ideal. That's beautiful. I love hearing how real that is. That's that's awesome to hear and and also to recognize just how beautiful that would have been if that if that's what was meant for you and you were you know you were prepared for that. I think so many so many times we hear now it's almost like well if I can't do that then I don't want to do it, right? It's like yeah. well if I can't do that epitome peak moment Mm -hmm. then I don't want to do it at all because it's not good enough. And it's almost like, I love hearing from you. You're at the opposite where it's like, hey, if this is all it is, then that's, that's I, fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My I, logic was if I do just theater in Toronto, that is fine because I would have fun and I would meet yeah. cool people. And then I would also have like the priority in my life might be different where I'm just meeting new people and that's where I get joy in my life. It might not be from my career. It might be from friends or, you know, family, whatever it may be, right? So. Yeah. How did you pluck up the courage to send that first audition tape in? Because I feel the reason why I'm honing in on that moment is I think doing something like like that for the first time with your mom's camera without any yeah. like prep or plan. It's not like you had your acting coach in the room and you know, no. like, I think that all of us struggle with firsts and all of yeah. us struggle with starting. Like, I'm sure you speak to tons of people who say to you like, oh, mate, I'm not sure, I'm not good enough, I'm not yeah. this enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not beautiful enough. How did you pluck up the car? What? Tell me that process, like, take us into your mind on that day. So let me start off by saying I was depressed. Um, I was very depressed in my last year of high school which took a long while for me to come to terms with. Like, I didn't think I was. I was, definitely. Mm. Um, and I almost took a nap that day instead. My best friend texted me and they said, hey, I saw this tweet from Mindy Kaling. Like, let's do this. I didn't even know how to use Twitter. <laughs> like, I didn't understand the differences between a retweet and a like. They're basically the same thing. And basically, um, you know, my best friend, Shahara, texted me and I almost said no. I almost said, hey man, I'm really tired. I think I'm just gonna take a nap. And then something in me just said, you know what? I haven't, like, I haven't hung out with my best friend in a long bit. I'll just, I'll go hang out with Shahara. Shahara's the best. So I said, okay, cool. We'll figure out a time and we'll go to the community center because my house is way too loud. <laughs> There's no way we're gonna film a video that's like even decent in here. So we went to the community center. We figured out after an hour how to work my mom's camera because it kept shutting off. It was so annoying. <laughs> and then we Googled up what a slate is. I didn't know what that was. But then we were flying. We were making our tapes. And the logic was, to me, honestly, was, okay, 
we're going to send it through this portal. Like, it's not even going out in public on, like, the internet or whatever, but, like, we're sending this through this portal. They might not ever even look at it. Generally, I was like, there's a good chance, like, they'd never check it out. There'd probably be, like, people all around the world auditioning for this. I have no experience. I made my acting resume on Canva. Like, the free, like, here, yeah. Canva plugin, I guess. I made my acting resume on Canva. My headshot was a photo that my best friend took, like, outside of my high school wall. And my eyes are squinty because of the sun. <laughs> it's so messed up. So I didn't think people would look at it. And with all that in mind, the fact that people all around the world are auditioning for this, I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get this. I have literally no job experience at all. I can't even say I've, like, you know, done retail. <laughs> so who cares? I'm going to just do the best possible job I can because why not? And it's funny. I have the text from that day with my best friend where we literally say, hey, man, like that was really fun. Thanks for hanging out with me. And they were like, you know what? We can say we were a part of something bigger when this show takes off. We can technically say we contributed to it. <laughs> and then I said, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll get royalties for that, like as a joke. <laughs> and then I said, but it would be pretty sweet if we went to Hollywood, right? <laughs> and then we were like, haha, who knows? One day, man, maybe one day. And then that was it. That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know you've shared it before, but I, I, I love, love it. Yeah, I it's, love it's such a great story. And, and I had to have you share it with our audience and community because it's, it just, you know, I, I just love how happy you were with what you were doing. And, yeah. and how if it didn't go anywhere, it wasn't a thing. It was just like, well, we tried. We put it out there into the world. Yeah. Like, we'll get we did, more. We like, the best shot, like, we did, you know? Yeah. Like, I wasn't going to put out something, like, I didn't believe sure. in. Because then in my mind, I'd be like, uh, I didn't give it my best shot. I'm not an athletic person. <laughs> but if I'm going to play a basketball game with someone, you best know I'm going to try my best. Yeah. Will there be a lot of sweating? Very much so. Probably a lot of falling, knees being skid, maybe a bit of blood. But I will try, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and my mom says, like, I'm now just living my life purpose. And she can see it. She saw it, honestly, in high school when I was doing all my performances because she came to every single one. She saw the joy that it gave me. And I'd have to agree. I feel like acting, being in this creative industry of film and TV, it is my life purpose. Yeah. I love that energy. That's awesome. And, it, and it, it shines off of your face. Like, even though we're not even sitting in front of each other right now, I can, I can totally see it. It's, it's so real <laughs> and your passion's so true and it's, it's so authentic. I love it. Uh, tell, me about, tell me about how that translated to then being on your first day on set because that's a whole nother, like, that's a whole different ball game now because it's like you've gone oh, from being yeah. with your best friend to making a video to now being on set. Where where was the first set? Where was it shot? And tell me about that experience from your perspective, not Davy's perspective, but yours. Yeah. We always shoot on the Universal lot in LA. Awesome. So season two actually entirely was shot on lot. We did no locations anywhere else because of COVID. So we got very crafty with our, you know, <laughs> bots and different sets. But the first day, um, I remember the scene exactly. It was the scene where Davy is telling Fabiola and Eleanor that she has chosen attainable yet status-enhancing boyfriends for each of us to date. <laughs> and um, that was the first scene we ever shot of the entire show. Uh, and I remember being so excited that we did one take and Lang Fisher says, okay, so you just 
you got to slow down a little. You just, you got to slow down a little. And she's like, maybe you're a little nervous. And I was like, honestly, I'm not nervous at all. I'm just really excited to be here. <laughs> I was introducing myself to everyone saying like, hi, I'm Maitreyi Ramakrishnan. Like, what's your name? Trying to like get to know everyone. And I was, my mentality was the two first things I learned like really quick was number one, trust everyone to do their job. And then you stick and focus on yours. Mm-hmm. When you trust and then respect everyone for their job, you'll be swimming because then they will respect you to do yours and they'll be your biggest champions. Don't worry about what the sound guy's doing. Don't get in the business of the lighting guy. Let them do their thing because they're respectfully the craft, the masters of their own craft. So when you respect them and you take interest in a genuine, authentic way of actually caring about what they do, they'll recognize that. And then they're going to light you and mic you up and d- get the best angle of you that they possibly can because now they're on your team, right? And then the second thing that I like, you know, kept in mind at all times was stay alert and learn everything you possibly can. Not many get this opportunity. You have the best co-op in the world. Learn everything. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And now this is credit to Mindy Kaling and Lang Fisher because they make such a great atmosphere where I never felt stupid. I was the only like cast member, number one, the youngest cast member, but also the one that has never in their life been on a set. And despite that, I never felt stupid for it. Were there times where I was like, oh God, I have to cry now. I've never cried on command before and Sendhil is here and he's on like the flash or something and I have to cry and this is a lot. Yeah, that happened. But I never felt dumb and I never felt dumb for asking questions. I never felt dumb for asking for help. And yeah, that's how we got through the days. That's beautiful. I, I, that's, it's so hard, isn't it? Because like imposter syndrome is so real and, yeah. and you can often just feel completely out of your depths. But those lessons, actually, I was going to ask you, how would you deal with imposter syndrome if you felt it? But those two pieces of advice you gave us, uh, mm-hmm. two lessons that you take away actually make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. and, and actually come as great pieces of insight for anyone who's struggling with imposter syndrome because, and, and I'm guessing that's not changed. I mean, now you're on, you know, front covers of magazines, like you're invited to all these beautiful events as you should be, rightly. Have, I love yeah. that you're bringing your excitement everywhere. Has imposter syndrome ever crept in or have you oh, been really yeah. like, yeah, tell us about that process. 100% it creeps in like every so often. Sometimes like, it's like self-love. Like you got the confidence one day of like, yeah, I deserve this. I'm very proud of myself. Amazing. But then the next day it's, oh God, oh no, I messed up. I'm terrible. Like people think I'm a joke. And it could, that could be sparked because you see one comment and I used to do this. I'm going to be honest. I would scroll through comments until I found a negative one. Scroll through thousands of positive until I found a negative one. And that would be when I would turn off my phone, which is so unhealthy. But maybe imposter syndrome is sparked because you heard someone say, oh, I wish she like would enunciate more. Like she speaks weird. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I should just, I should get a dialect coach for my own voice and my own, you know, sound. Maybe I should do that. But you realize that a lot of people go through it. A lot of people go through imposter syndrome. And then you're like, huh. I mean, we can't all be imposters, right? Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> some of us have to be genuine. And some of the most genuine people I know go through that. Yeah. But I remind myself that I have worked hard. And 
what used to piss me off in season one was when people would say, oh my God, you're so lucky that you got picked. You're so yeah. lucky. And I'm like, yeah, 100%. A good bit of fame is a lot, a lot about being at the right place at the right time, for sure. But I also worked really hard. Luck, sure, was getting my audition tape sent in at the right ta- day, at the right time. And somehow that got landed on their screens. And, you know, I did all that. But I did work really hard during the audition process. But you know what? Even if you want to call the whole audition luck, you can't call the season luck. Netflix comes out with so many shows a day, but we're one of the biggest shows. That's hard work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when I remind myself of that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not that big of an imposter. I think I can <laughs> relax today. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think so at all. I think so first of all, when I first watched the season, I would mm-hmm. never have been able to tell whether you'd acted before or not. Like, it, I would never have been able to tell. Like, no, no, I couldn't say, to, I couldn't have watched them and been like, oh, she doesn't look like a real, like, like you would never have said yeah. that. You, you're great from episode one. Like, you always appear completely comfortable. And I believe you, as in, I have to really talk, I had to prepare today by yeah. going, I am not interviewing Davy. I'm interviewing Maitri. Like I had to literally yeah. be like, do not think of her as Davy. Like you have, I've got to, as an interviewer, I have to stop <laughs> thinking you're this character 100%. because yeah. I believe you're this character. Like I, I don't yeah. have any doubt that you are Davy when you're playing Davy. And I think yeah. that is a, you know, that to me is credit to your skills. And I always say to people like the people that have success, they should see it as fortune and and joy, but everyone else should see it it as hard work. Because when you see someone else's success as luck, you then think you're unlucky. And and then it stops you from working hard. When actually, when you see someone's success as hard work, you go, okay, I know what I need to do now. And it sets you up. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%, like get inspired by it. Don't let it defeat your own goals, your own worth, your own journey in life, right? I, I feel like, Whenever people ask me, like, how do I get into acting? Like, how do I do this? In my head, my response is always, I mean, be on the lookout for the next tweet, I guess. Like, that's how I did it. But reality is everything happens in different ways for people, especially in the creative industries, like music, acting, whatever. It is so unique for everyone. So you can't get yourself discouraged when you see someone else succeed at this age, you know? You can't compare yourself. You should appreciate and respect them for their hard work that they did and then be maybe be, even be inspired by it, you yeah. know? But yeah. Don't let it take down your own self-worth. But I was going to say, I hope talking to me, I don't seem like Davy. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It was really funny um, when season one came out, um, it was very funny because some people would look at my success, like you said, as luck. And then they would take it as themselves as they're unlucky. And then that could turn to the other way and then become jealousy. And that was rough. Mm. But then people just, you know, would either come out of the woodwork to be like, oh, my God, my cherry, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, we have not talked in ages. <laughs> what? But then some people would just start being passive aggressive. Like, oh, you're too big time for us. Or just say some jokes that would just be like, hey, dude. I'm not like a changed person. I'm still me. Literally, the show even came out in quarantine. I've been stuck in the same house that you guys come over for like my birthday parties, man. Like what? But yeah, the best way I know of finding out like who actually know me is when they say like, 
oh my god, I watched season one and I was asking myself, were you even acting? You're so much like the character. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not what I was yeah. saying. I was saying that because we've never met before, my, yeah. my only perspective of you is this character, which you play so believably. And, and I wanted to make sure today that I'm talking to you and asking questions about you and not about Davian. So yeah. for me, it was more about the saying how believably you play this character, hence your skills, uh, as opposed to thinking you're lucky. Because if you were lucky, I wouldn't believe that you were Davy in the show. I would just be like, oh, this is, yeah. this is weird. Like, who's the, you know, like that, that would yeah. be the, whereas I don't feel that way. So, and, and getting to know you today, yeah, I mean, <laughs> saying you're like Davy is like really stereotyping and just, I mean, there's no, there's no like, yeah. they're, they're, everyone has so much more depth and layers and, and even today, I've discovered so much more about you that I would never have known. And that's that's what I'm hoping my community will too. Uh, but yeah. tell us about, you know, I, I love everything you've been sharing. I love the messages that you're sharing with people, especially because it's so hard. Uh, and, and in our South Asian community, it's harder because when we've been less exposed to this happening to people around us and oh, these opportunities idea. being given. So people find it harder to react. You had in your Instagram bio, respect existence or expect resistance. I wanted to understand what inspired that statement and what you connected to deeply in your life. Yeah. Um, I think I saw that like statement somewhere on the internet back yeah. when I was in high school somewhere. And I thought, oh my God, wordplay. That is so <laughs> smart. That was my first thing. But then I was like, yeah, you know what? That's really awesome. And for my grade 12 um, art exam, we had to make a mural. And like, if you scroll back far enough on my Instagram feed now, there's a picture of it. It's this gigantic mural I painted uh, by myself of this brown girl and you know she's got these like rainbow hearts all around her gold background and at the top it says respect existence or expect resistance and the whole idea was like you know here's this brown girl the rainbow hearts you know symbolizing like the lgbtqi community and just the idea of respect people you know and it's this woman you know and i just like it as my instagram bio because it's it makes so much sense to me you know Respect people's existence. And if you don't, get ready for people to be upset and get ready for that backlash because you need to respect other people for who they are. You need to respect the fact that when I say there isn't enough South Asian representation in film, get ready and respect it because if you're going to resist it, you're going to be behind the curve. And suddenly, if you're a writer that isn't willing to add true diversity, not token diversity to your scripts, no one's going to want to work with you because the world's changing. And honestly, it's getting with the ride of getting the car of respecting people for who they are, treating people with respect, like the golden rule, or just get out. Yeah. I don't have time for people with that, that attitude. Yeah, well said. The I love the distinction between true and token diversity. I think that's such an important, that's so huge because we hear statements that are token diversity statements all the time. Oh uh, I was literally just talking to someone last week and they were told by an agency that they wouldn't be signing them because they already have someone who is a brown person in that niche wow. that they're in. And they were like, we already have one of you. And I was just like, I, and I literally, that conversation happened last week. And, and they were asking me what I thought about that and how to navigate yeah. it. 
And I wanted to ask you, how is your view on that, on diversity changed, having been someone obviously developing their career to now being on the other mm -hmm. side where you have a successful show, you're in the industry, people know you, you know people. Has getting closer to the industry made you feel more excited about what's happening or are you actually seeing more and you're like, okay, wow, like, you know, this team, Mindy and this team's got it right, but actually there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I want to know how your views changed from before and after. Definitely the latter. Like, I actually realized how used to and just, you know, conditioned I became to not seeing people like myself, South Asian women, on screen until after Never Have I Ever Season 1 came out. Up until that point, I was just okay, I guess, with the fact that people like me were background characters, quirky best friends that were sexually deprived, because that's a lovely stereotype, or that they're just comedic relief. They're shy. They're awkward. They can't talk to women unless they're drunk. You know, you get used to that. And then the show came out. I met people in the, in the industry. And it made me, yeah, hopeful that things are changing. But honestly, I had this like anger in me of like, this sucks. If I didn't make it into the industry, I would have maybe just been okay with it all this time. Yeah. Like, this is not okay. And we run around saying like diversity, like diversity, diversity. We say it so much. But we have to. It's like, what, else, what other choice do we have? Like, it's become this fluff word, but it's such a mandatory fluff word, you know? Like, it is very important because it's not happening fast enough, in my opinion. Yeah, the needle is moving inch by inch, not even inch, millimeter by millimeter. Let me go with my lovely Canadian system. But, <laughs> you know, it's moving like a little bit by a little bit. But I, I get so angry sometimes where I just want to push it, you know? Because it's not fair to expect a whole community of people to look at Davey and feel represented. I used to think, oh no, like you don't feel represented by the show, but we worked really hard on it. It's a really good show. We do so much. But then I was like, no, that's selfish of me. I'm falling into the trap that reality is the white dominant, you know, industry of Hollywood film TV wants me to, to make these people just deal with it. But they shouldn't. And I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to settle with Davy being my one, you know, main character role that was truly birthed by a leader in the industry, Mindy Kaling. I shouldn't have to settle for that. I should be able to get all the roles, you know, and keep going with my career. Audiences, audiences shouldn't have to settle for just Davy or Nalini or Kamala or even Anissa in season two. They should be able to get all the different kind of characters. If you are so proud in your identity, if you are so proud of it, and that is how you identify, it means it's a story worth telling. And nobody can say otherwise. It is definitely worth screen time in some way or another, you know? Yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Maitreela. It's such a powerful statement. And really, you know, it's emphatic in the way you said it. It's, it's, it's strong, it's powerful, it's bold, and that's... It's the way it needs to be said. I, I remember when I first moved to LA and I'm obviously born and raised in London, hence the British accent and all the rest of it. Uh, but when I moved to LA, I remember going to get my hair cut and I remember my hairdresser saying to me, they were just like, where are you from? And, and that's normal. I always get asked that because of how I look at my accent. And they were like, they didn't know that Indian people sounded any different or looked any different to Apu in The Simpsons. Like that was their like, 
like their their take on you know what Indian people are, and so they were just like, "Are you Indian? Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm Indian. My parents are both Indian." Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me go back check. I'll be right back, and then you can cut my hair. Okay. And it was so funny because I was just like, I couldn't believe. I was like, and that's and I sat back to think about it. I moved to LA three years ago, and I sat back to think about it. And I was like, yeah, wow. Like for for a certain generation, I grew up on The Simpsons too. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, anyone who watched The Simpsons, like that was the only character that yeah. they saw being Indian, right? And so- Yeah, Film and TV influence what we see in the world. Yeah. It is a reflection of what our world is like, right? So yeah, it makes sense that they're coming in thinking like that's the reality. It, I mean, if they ever just checked out any article or like, you know, just maybe common sense or just understood colonialism- you know, maybe, but <laughs> if they only ever watched cartoons, then that would be what they think. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what's beautiful is that you've not only, you know, you're not only doing things on screen. I love how you're speaking about these things off screen and in interviews and, and using your platform for a higher purpose. I know that you also did the amazing table read recently for the fundraiser for India, you know, supporting. You had your amazing fundraiser. That was yeah. so awesome. Well, it was, it was, I mean, now I wish I asked you to be a part of it. I could have interviewed you then, but uh, it's, you know, <laughs> I just thought it was so amazing to just see just so many uh, people using their platform, especially, yeah. you know, what you and the whole team did, I, I think was amazing because, you know, I think for so many people you are representing and, and I love your, I love what you're saying. Like what you just said was so humble and so beautiful about how you don't want to get caught up in the the way people want you to think that it's enough and yeah. there should be, I love that. But at the same time, you are also through the show doing an amazing service and effort as well. Like, you know, it's important for me to say that. And I, I love the way you're saying it, but I want to acknowledge that. But then for you and the team to do that for India, I thought that was such a beautiful offering. And I wanted to yeah. get, an understanding from you, like you seem to constantly want to use your platform and your ever-growing platform for higher purpose, for, you know, fighting for the right for education, for for standing up. Like you said, your mom told you to always stand up. Uh, I wanted you to tell me about something that, what was one of the first things you tried to stand up for back in the day or something, someone that you tried to stand up for and it maybe didn't go how you wanted or maybe you learned (laughs) something interesting from it? I mean, like, yeah, with all the activism that does stem from how my parents raised me, like, that has always been who I am. Before the show came out, I actually had a picture of, like, a walkout that I did for public cuts to public education on my Instagram. Like, there were some photos. And I had some people ask me, are you going to take that down? And I'm like, no. (laughs) No way. That's still my stance. Don't cut public education. Education is the cornerstone to any thriving society. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm still just a 19-year-old kid that's learning every day and is very much so capable of mistakes. Whenever I talk about this, I realize it contributes to the pedestal that I feel like I yes. put, start putting myself on and then the farther the fall becomes. Yeah. But I have to always remind myself, you're just 19, you can make mistakes. And when you're older, you can still make mistakes. We all can still make mistakes. But back to your original question. Um, okay, so one of my close friends... Uh, I don't actually remember this, but they vividly do. And they love to bring it up every single time we meet new people. And apparently, so my friend, fellow Tamil uh, girl, she would always dress up in her traditional clothing, have a butta, like she was, you know, braided up, 
That's how she came to school every day in elementary school. And her mom was like always taking her home for lunch. And, you know, she's the best. Shout out to Varsha. But <laughs> um, some people would make fun of her for that. I saw her and was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I would wear my brother's hand-me-downs. That was like how my family rolled. We weren't going to buy new clothes for me. You just get a baggy, you know, monster car shirt. That's cool. I don't care. But I'd see her and I'd be like, okay, cool. You basically like look like one of my cousins. So <laughs> that's nifty. But then these girls were picking on her. I saw one day they were picking on her and they were like bullying her and like just making fun of her and like getting really up in her space. And I saw that she was getting anxious, apparently. I keep saying apparently because I don't remember <laughs> this. But apparently I went up to them. And it's important to mention, um, shout out to my cousins. They all taught me lovely, colorful language at like the age of seven. So I went up to them, cursed them out and said, just, you know, leave her alone. And um, yeah, then they got like, you know, they were like, all right, fine, whatever. Like my trees, like whatever, you're getting all mad. And then they walked off and then I just apparently said, you good? She was like, yeah. And then I'm like, okay. And then I walked away. <laughs> I wasn't like friends with her at the time. We became friends in like high school, but I was wow. like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. And then I just left. <laughs> she vividly remembers this. So there you go. There's my time. I, I love stood that. Up. I love that. I love that. Maitri, it's been so much fun talking to you. I know you've got an extremely busy schedule and so many interviews you're doing. So we're so grateful you spent time uh, with the On Purpose community. But I want to end with our fast five. So we end every interview with the fast five round that has to be answered in one word to one sentence maximum. So uh, no longer Did answer. Did you not notice how much I talk? <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved that you talk. It was great. I love that you talk. All right. So my three Ramakrishnan, these are your fast five. Uh, the first question is, what is the best advice you've ever received? Stick to your morals. Don't take no for an answer. That's two sentences. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. What, what is the worst advice you've ever received? I don't know. Bad advice. I, I feel like I would probably want to get rid of that out of my brain <laughs> as quickly as possible. You know what? Bad advice. Don't make a fuss about it. Mm. Like, that's not even like advice. Like, it's not like I even took it. But yeah. Don't make a fuss about it. Great. Yeah. That's a good answer. All right. Question yeah. number three. Uh, what's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night? Oh, really unhealthy. Go on my phone. <laughs> what, do, know, what do you do I on your know. phone? <laughs> um, it's either A, watching cartoons or TikTok, social media, but mainly cartoons. Amazing. I love it. All right. Question number four. Uh, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? It's okay to make mistakes. You're a work in progress. And that's right. because my mom always calls me that. She always says, whenever anyone praises me to my mom and says, your daughter is so lovely. Oh my gosh. I love her. My mom just says, She's a work in progress. <laughs> she is unfazed. It could be a compliment from Mindy herself. Yeah. And my mom just says, eh, work in progress. Next, next time I see your mom, I'm going to try the opposite. I'm going to say, well, first time I see your mom, I, I, maybe not the first time I see your mom. I think I'll, I'll be good the first time I see your mom. I think if I ever get to meet your mother again, if I get the wonderful fortune, I'll say, I think my three is a work in progress. I want to see what, how she reacts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just spin it on her. Yeah, no, I love that. That's beautiful. And and uh, I, I, one of the things I really appreciated in this conversation is how much you kept repeating, hey, I can make mistakes. I'm 19, I'll make mistakes. Hey, even if you're older, you can make mistakes. And I love that yeah. because I, I completely agree with you. Like we're all doing things that we were never trained to do 
we were never sure we were going to do, and we don't know how. Humans weren't meant to be watched by millions. Totally, like we can all unequivocally agree on the fact that in the evolution, you know, timeline, humans were never conditioned or trained or you know evolved to see and be viewed by millions of people. It's just the facts. Yeah, yeah, I love that. All right, fifth and final question. It is, if you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Um, if you buy ice cream, you should buy one for your friend. <laughs> everyone, my three Ramakrishna, make sure you go and watch Never Have I Ever. I'd also love for you to tag me and my three on Instagram to let us know, and on Twitter, of course, let us know what were your favorite parts? What were the things that she said that stood out, that resonated and connected with you? I love seeing what truly stays with you when you listen to these episodes, and I'd love for her to see it as well. Uh, my three, you've been amazing. I really do look forward to meeting you. Uh, you have an Likewise. open invite to my wife and I's home whenever you're in LA. So Thank please you. come over uh, and hang out. And uh, you can, we're older than you, so you can treat us as your older, whatever you want to call us. Uh, but uh, we, we truly mean that and uh, look forward to meeting you. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much. This was actually really fun. Yeah, I'm so glad I got to talk about all these things that I haven't been able to before. So oh, thank that you. means that means a lot to me. I laughed a lot today, so I'm glad. I had a lot of fun too. I was laughing the whole time, and and uh, I meant it. I really wanted to get to know you today, and I'm grateful that you let us do that. So thank you so much. If you want even more videos just like this one, make sure you subscribe and click on the boxes over here. I'm also excited to let you know that you can now get my book, Think Like a Monk, from thinklikeamonkbook.com. Check below in the description to make sure you order today.